Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week we'll be speaking to startup and scale-up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different. Each innovation could be game-changing. I hope you enjoy. Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash, Series 1, Episode 13. I'm delighted to have with me Tom Stubbs, co-founder and CEO of Chronomics. Hi, Tom. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm glad, glad to be able to be here today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, if you could be so kind as to give us a little bit of background as to where you've come from, from your education, you as an individual, and becoming the CEO and co-founder of Chronomics. Yeah, happily. So my background, I originally did my undergraduate at the University of Cambridge, where I studied biochemistry. I then took this knowledge and applied it to a, a PhD in wet lab and computational epigenetics. So genetics is, is our DNA that's fixed from birth and does not change. And is the reason we have, for instance, blue eyes, curly hair, and can be at risk for certain genetic diseases. Epigenetics, on the other hand, is the reason that we can have two identical twins that share the same DNA, but may have different health outcomes. So for instance, perhaps one developing breast cancer. And it is the science of how your environment and your lifestyle affects how your DNA is controlled. So essentially, I, I was working on this in the lab in Cambridge, actually at the, the Babram Institute under Professor Wolf Wright, who's a leader in the field of epigenetics research. And during this time, I built epigenetic predictors of aging. And, and what I found was that actually, instead of just being able to predict how old somebody is, which is obviously not necessarily that, that interesting, we also saw that you could predict the biological age of somebody. So actually how, how healthy they appear at the level of their DNA. And where this got I guess really interesting was that not only could we predict this biological age, but we also saw that it was impacted by environment and lifestyle, meaning that if people knew about this early enough, they could enact positive change to live a healthier life. And so at this point, together with uh, Daniel Herans, who was conducting his PhD at the, the European Bioinformatics Institute near Cambridge at the, the Sanger campus, and Dr. Toby Primo-Cool, who did his PhD in biotechnology and process automation. We came together to found Chronomics and provide this information to the people. So to take it from the lab to everyone, to us as, as customers. So was that the plan uh, from the start, is to establish the knowledge with a view to them building a business to deliver a service to your customers? No, I, I don't think it was, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I think it was one of those, I guess, happy happy things that happened along the way so I guess my plan from doing my PhD was to then go on to develop uh, as a as an academic scientist and to to carry on perhaps shifting disciplines into to something else and to carry on I guess improving our understanding of the the natural world if you like but during 
I guess this epigenetic research, it just so happened that actually we could see how this information was incredibly useful to people. And at the same time, when we look around us and see how DNA testing is becoming more and more powerful and people such as the NHS and Genomics England are starting to incorporate it into their services, we thought this was just such an exciting time that really we needed to just start a company. It's interesting you say that about Genomics UK, Genomics England. Uh, the Right Honourable Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State for Department of Health and Social Care, has been quoted in The Guardian recently about how people need to be making uh, better health decisions, better dietary decisions uh, to benefit the, the NHS, benefit the healthcare as a whole. But that requires data, that requires knowledge. Everybody's wearing wearables now, uh, understanding how many steps you've taken, uh, the exercise, the, the amount of sleep you get. But it only goes so far. Yeah, I mean, that's. I'm really glad you, I guess, brought up that that point uh, that Matt Matt was bringing up around the fact that you know we can, I guess, rely on on reactive healthcare um, at our own peril. So we already know, I guess, in if you take, for instance, the the US, a huge amount of money is spent on chronic disease management care and is lost due to the lack of productivity because of those diseases. And what we actually find is that what's even worse is that actually the vast majority, so somewhere in the region of 80% of these diseases are preventable. And so I guess what Matt was alluding to was that actually if we want to improve our own health and ensure that, that we as people live, live healthy into our old age, we need to start acting proactively. And in order to do this, we need to have information about how our environment and our lifestyle are impacting our health. And that's, that's the information that can, that can come with epigenetics. So at a personalized level, epigenetics can tell you how your DNA and the environment and the lifestyle that you're leading are impacting your health in the long term. So are affecting your chances, if you like, of, of potentially developing cancer or heart disease in the next 20, 40 years. Wow. And does the service provide recommendations based on the information, based on your current state of how to improve? Yeah, exactly. So this is, this is a huge part of, of what we offer is, and what we've found with our customers is that they find this information incredibly useful, but they don't just want to stop at being given this information. They want to know what they can, they can go on to do about it. And so through the, the product, you get access to learn about your, I guess, personal insights from your DNA to be able to compare them to other people, to see how your insights compare, both by location, age, uh, but also by genetic predisposition. So at a really personalized level. And then you also have the opportunity to make and track positive changes to live healthier for longer. Everybody wants that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So the, the likes of Joe Rogan and Liz Fair. Liz Fair is a, a musician artist, and Joe Rogan is a well-known podcast producer and involved in the world of MMA. They, they talked about epigenetics and how it could influence your, your current life, your current experiences could actually influence the way that your child, your offspring, impacts or reacts to certain environments, certain 
events that occur. What's your thoughts around that? Yes, so there's a whole, I guess, field dedicated to understanding how our lives and our environments impact uh, the lives of, of future generations. And there's a number of different ways in which this, this information about our environment and lifestyle can be passed on. As a whole, these, these types of things, I guess, would go under the, the heading of transgenerational effects. Um, but they can be kind of broken down into things that happen during pregnancy or things that happen kind of prior to pregnancy. And I think what's, what's interesting is that these transgenerational effects aren't just seen in, in humans, but, but actually in different, different organisms across life. And actually, it's not in the case of mammals, it's not just that maternal environment, but actually there are examples where the, the father as well contributes to this, um, this, I guess, transgenerational effect. Inherently, I think I'm thinking about that myself. So my current stage of life is looking to try for a child and, and introspectively looking at how healthy and fit I am to provide the best possible outcome for my child. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've moved from the city of London to North Devon for better quality of life, better air quality because of that. It's quite interesting to have then the data uh, to to reference and to, to have a continual um, improvement approach to your, your current environment. Yeah, everyone, as you say, is wanting to kind of improve their health, uh, improve their environment and lifestyle. And obviously, as you say, there is that kind of thought to the to the next generation for people such as you say yourself who is thinking about about having a child um so yeah this is i guess incredibly important the fact that you know we don't just pass on our genes to the next generation but there's there's other things uh, that are involved as well mm, very interesting indeed and so tell me a bit more about the business itself uh, where are you today in terms of funding i was very fortunate to be at London Tech Week last year, and I was at the Health Tech Forum where you were pitching and really captured my imagination. Where are you in terms of funding, seed, Series A, etc.? Yes, yeah, so in terms of funding, we were originally funded back in January at a pre-seed stage uh, by the largest early stage biotech VC in the world, based in California, SOSV. And subsequent to that funding, we were able to launch our epigenetic testing product, grow our user base. And because of that, we have subsequently completed our seed round of funding, the details of which are being disclosed this week. So I can't go too much into detail, but yeah, that's, that's the stage we're at. And with regards to your customer base, how, how many customers are you acquiring at this point in time, just roughly? Yeah, so roughly per month now, we're up to kind of hundreds of people taking taking the test. So it's really exciting times. The money that we were able to raise at Seed Round have now enabled us to grow the team and develop the product such that we can now provide to to this large number of users. Because I'm interested to know a bit more about how you are intending to scale this funding. Has there been any investment in the infrastructure then, the, the testing lab, uh, the capacity of producing results based on incoming tests? 
Yeah, so in terms of, I guess, where most of the, the funding is being spent is on the tech side, scaling scaling our ability there. But also, as you say, from the, the data generation side itself, we've also had to make some changes to the, the way that we process the data in order to improve efficiency and to, I guess, increase the number of samples that we, we can process in any, in any one given run. And I can see this being applicable for anybody who's interested in the welfare, the longevity of their life, uh, just to improve the quality. But in terms of the people that you are seeing signing up at the moment, what's the sort of profile at a high level, the demographic that you are seeing? Yes, yeah, so I think you've hit the nail on the head there that this this test really is applicable to to anyone. And we we sort of see that in the types of people who are taking our test. So I don't think at this point we can really say, ah, yeah, there's this very, very defined set of people that, that really want this product or are kind of purchasing this product. In general, there's a slight skew in demographics towards females. But, you know, we've got people who are in high paid jobs, stressful jobs in the city, taking tests. And then we also have, you know, I guess on the other side of that, people who are living in the countryside and are just curious about finding out how changes to their environment and lifestyle could could be impacting their their health. So from people as well that are approaching 80 down to students who are kind of exposed to this emerging and exciting technology and want to take that information and apply it to themselves. So in terms of numbers then, going from where you are today uh, yeah. to the next 12 months, where, where do you see yourself as a business then? What's your expectation? Yeah, as, as a company today and looking forward to the next 12 months, our real focus is enabling as many people as possible to access this incredibly important and personal information. And in doing so, enabling us to, to develop the product provide even more insights about environment and lifestyle so insights that don't even exist today and so how, how are you going to come about these insights there'll be i'm assuming there's significant amount of data that you have to run through uh, what sort of techniques technology are you using to help crunch that data and provide those insights yeah great great question so in terms of how the product works so i guess as you're aware customers get sent a simple saliva test they can take in the comfort of their own home they then provide that sample back to us we then process it through our state-of-the-art accredited facilities and that data then gets sequenced using next generation sequencing technology so actually reading the letters of your dna and then we use machine learning or or AI, so artificial intelligence, to then derive specific signatures for different environment and lifestyle factors that are impacting your health. And then those are fed back to, to you as the, the consumer through your own personal online platform. Thank you. And in terms of the data itself, it is very personal. Uh, what guarantees can you provide your customers in terms of the, the, the security of that data and it's held uh, in confidence how are you going about that? Yes, yeah, so data security is something that, as a company, is hugely important to us. Pretty much number one priority. And this is one of the reasons we chose to, to stay based in Europe. 
because of the regulatory environment and legislation that empowers the customer and puts the customer in control. And so as a company, any data that comes to us from from you is owned by you as the customer. So we don't own any of the information that is given to us. That information is not shared with any other party unless you specifically want it to be. And we ensure using our our cloud-based services, the highest security and encryption protocols to, to make sure that your data stays as just your data. And I think one, I guess, important point to kind of say on this is that we believe so strongly that you own that data, that if you want to download it, keep it yourself, or delete it, you actually can, and it will go. <laughs> so I guess within the, the data space or within the, the DNA testing space, for instance, there's not really any other company that that's true for. So that's, you know, we, we really strongly believe that your data, your rules. That's very commendable. I echo that view on protecting the people's data, and, and it's very interesting to say that the emphasis is on the customer. Um, that's good to hear. In terms of yourself, Tom, it would be great to get some further insight into you as an individual. So moving from the R&D, the education, to a business, what made you decide that in the first place? I guess as we briefly spoke about at the start, it was the realisation of the potential impact that this sort of information has to drive paradigm shift in the way we think about healthcare. So from generalist and reactive in today's world into personalized and proactive health management in in tomorrow's world. And it was really at the time I was particularly um, desperate to go and start a company, but just really the, I guess, this need or desire to kind of fulfill the potential that this, this data has and to provide this service to to people so that they can live healthier lives. That was really the driving force for, I guess, me starting Chronomics. Great. In terms of the lessons you've, you've learned to date, uh, what sort of recommendations, a particular one that you could share with the listeners that you've experienced to avoid or to be aware of when building your business, meeting up with your founders? Yes, yeah, so I guess <laughs> we've, we've learned a lot since, since we started. I think probably for those who are taking a science product kind of from the lab and really developing it into something that can be offered to people, one key learning is that it's not enough to just have great science. You need a great team of people that are committed to the vision that you're, you see for the future. That was a, a key learning for me was that you know a science company like ours there's so much other stuff that needs to be action to enable that science to see the light of day. And, and that is the stuff that is incredibly important and is the difference between success and failure. What's just come to mind is about risk to use the business and regulation. So I guess in terms of regulation, there's different types, I guess, regulation of the, the processes for generating the data that we comply with. There's then also obviously within Europe, GDPR regulation. And so we have customers not just in Europe, but in Australia and the US and Canada. As we've already talked about DNA security, we believe so strongly in DNA security that we're, we're applying the same 
uh, approaches to, to customers that fall outside of that GDPR legislation. But, but again, GDPR is something regulatory that needed to be, be complied with. And then there's also regulation when you're providing information that is incredibly sensitive, um, that then falls under, for instance, um, IVD type regulation. So in vitro diagnostic regulation. And that is regulation that we are currently looking or currently moving through the processes of, if you like. Understood. Thank you. I, I, I don't know the detail myself, but I know that from a business perspective, that can be quite a complication when getting to market. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely something that you you can't ignore and you have to be very proactive about. But it's also it's something that that takes time. And I think, yeah, something as a, as a science company you have to be mindful of. And also you just have to be very conscious of when you're positioning the information you're you're giving to people as well, because, as you say, the regulation is incredibly complicated and oftentimes the the end consumer isn't aware of the differences. Who provides you with motivation? So, <laughs> tough question. <laughs> um, I guess an individual person as a whole, but traits that, that individuals have that I, I guess, really admire and, and would love to aspire to. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the, the founder of 23andMe, so a consumer DNA testing company who kind of led the way indirect consumer testing and Waziki. And I really admire the, the strength and will that she had to take DNA testing in the first place and take it from this thing that you had to go through a doctor to access and to make it accessible to the people in the first place. And I'm really excited that we can now be building on top of that by providing next generation sequencing solutions and epigenetic testing to actually see how that DNA is changing. I guess another another person would be purely for his his focus on the the customer and and his adherence to to a long to his long term vision would be for instance Jeff Bezos from from Amazon mm. uh, and then I guess lastly again we talked about team earlier and how you know great science is is all well and good but you actually need a great team to to bring it to fruition and. I really admire the way that Google has gone about kind of having its analytical and transparent approaches to to team structure and actually organizing objectives within teams to enable the growth that they've seen. And I guess that has been driven by by their founders. So for instance, Larry, Larry Page. So yeah, I guess they're a couple of examples of traits or aspects of being an entrepreneur that I really aspire to but a very high standards i must say yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and uh, as a very busy founder ceo you're speaking to a lot of people like myself uh, investors uh, managing your your business internally the processes the systems making decisions where do you get or how do you get the time the headspace away what do you do uh, away from the business yeah i guess at the moment very little <laughs> um <laughs> But no, when I do, when I do get time uh, to, I guess, step back and, and clear my head, I'm I'm a big uh, climber, so so I enjoy enjoy getting out, getting out and climbing whenever possible, and also also playing playing football. Cool, cool. And, and do you, what do you do that five a side or eleven a side? Yeah, so 
in London, I guess where we're based, there's some uh, some decent decent five aside or or even up to kind of eight aside uh, to be had. So so it's good fun. Yeah, good. I played I've played myself in the uh, Shoreditch uh, five aside there. Uh, there's ah, another awesome. league. Yeah, that was good fun. That was good fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, we we are times are moving on, but I've got a couple more questions. Um, so ba- based on what you know now, what would you do differently? <laughs> yeah, tough question again. <laughs> in terms of kind of what we've done, if I had to go back to where I started and start again, I probably wouldn't have done anything different with the knowledge I now have. And I think the reason for that is that as you go through the process of starting a company, you you learn a huge amount and you, as you say, you get to meet a bunch of incredibly talented and wise, knowledgeable people that aid you on that journey and then are with you for that journey, whether that be investors or people that have offered advice or people you've brought onto the team or people you've seen give talks or pitches or whatever it might be. And I don't think I would trade that learning for any alternative approach to starting the company. I would say, though, that if there was one thing I would do differently is maybe strive to make some decisions faster. So rather than let things, I guess, linger for a couple of days or a week, just make decisions faster, I'd say is something that you get better at as as you progress. Thank you. And in in terms of continual learning, uh, of course, the best learning is by doing. And maybe, maybe failing, failing fast, failing forward. So in addition to that, are there any other sources of material that you are leveraging to to help complement your knowledge as it is today? Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, again, as we mentioned, failing is incredibly important. And also having people around you who can support you is incredibly important. But also there's there's a ton of good, like really useful literature from people who have started companies or developed processes for doing things or have have worked on team building or or the psychology of that or fundraising or whatever it might be. And I actually find, as you say, doing is the best thing, but also being able to take time to actually read and and learn more about other people's experiences firsthand through their words is is incredibly important. So I guess, I guess you're going to ask some specific books or something. I was (laughs) hoping you were going to mention one, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I guess I guess I could think of potentially three three books that have been I guess useful for for different reasons but there's definitely many more than this and happy to I guess advise on that for people who want it three books that I think have been important uh, and I would definitely advise myself to read again if I was going to start again Uh, one would be the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni which is again, about, about team building and spotting those early signs of the, I guess, structure or team dynamics starting to go a bit awry and being able to, to act on them proactively to, to keep the team healthy, <laughs> not, not health, but yeah. And a second book, would, which was, again, incredibly useful for us and that we still treat as almost a Bible, <laughs> is uh, Sprint by Jake Knapp. So about how to solve big problems 
quickly. So how to solve problems and, and test new new ideas in, in only a couple of days or a week. And that's been that's been incredibly useful to test out the design space and zoom in on a solution, get feedback on it quickly. And as you say, learn fast and fail fast and instilling that culture. And then the last book, which I think is is really useful, especially for a, a young entrepreneur, is Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, The Difference and Why It Matters, which is by Richard Rumelt. Again, just gives good examples and flavors for, for how to go about thinking about your company in the context of the market and the world at large. Thank you so much. That's great. That's a lot of reading to get on to. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. I must uh, get onto Amazon and start buying. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, time, time has pushed on. You very kindly have uh, provided the listeners with a discount. If people are listening to this and are interested in chronomics and, and uh, want to explore what their DNA and their current state is and how they can improve their lives uh, through epigenetics, through the services you provide, uh, you very kindly provided the listeners 10% discount if you used uh, the link, uh, the voucher code BASH, B-A-S-H. And uh, thank you for that. Uh, there'll be a link in the, in the profile uh, for people to access. So uh, thank you so much, Tom, for your time. It'd be great to follow your journey over the next 12 months and for you to come back and regale on, on those experiences and, and where you are again and what you plan to do for the next 12 months on from there. Would you be happy to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you so much again for your time. And I wish you every success. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Take care. Cheers. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know. So you can connect with me on Twitter. Just type in Bash in the search and you'll find me. So Bash, B-A-S-H, easy. On Instagram, it's Bash Reality. So that's Bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe and until next week, cheers.